0: As uh, Pastor Jason mentioned, we are in a new series today. It's called This I Know. Um, And of course, it is not coincidence that you've heard half of this phrase before. Uh, We've heard it in a song. So what's the first half of this phrase that you guys have uh, heard? Jesus loves me. This I know, right? So there's, there's a reason we want to go into that. As Pastor Jason said, we want to talk about what the affections of Jesus are. Now here's the reasoning behind this. As a church, we're trying to reach to those that are lost, that don't know Jesus, and we want to tell them, Jesus loves you. There's a problem with that, though. To them, this sounds somewhat uh, like, so, what does that mean? What do you mean when you say, Jesus loves me, this I know? What does this mean? What do you mean when you say, come into a relationship with Jesus? Uh, What does that mean? Because I... For some people, again, for the world, that doesn't feel concrete. They hear religion. They hear spirituality. They don't hear something that the Christian faith brings, which is different from all those other spiritual or religious worldviews. It's a concrete and tangible relationship, like the one that I have with my wife or with my friends or with my grow group buddies. Uh, it's, it's a tangible, concrete relationship. Now, we have to be able to transmit that message to the world around us because they don't really get it. When they hear Jesus loves you, when they hear Jesus wants to be your friend, have you found Jesus? Or do you have a relationship with Jesus? Either it sounds cliche to them, or they just don't get it. Because they try to measure it through different loves. Uh, last week in our grow group, one of our uh, beloved grow group members, Anna, she's in the back, sorry, I didn't mean to put you in the back, uh, I didn't mean to put you in the spot, um, she mentioned uh, that there's different types of loves, you know, there's the filio type love that we have between brothers and sisters or friends and so forth, and there are other loves that are studied and labeled, C.S. Lewis has a book or a, a, a study on this, Uh, And what we want to do is shed light on the love that Jesus has for us, the love that God has for us, which is an agape type love. And that's a weird word to throw around. We're going to talk about that later. But the type of love that Jesus has for us has this weird Greek name. It's called agape. And it's a special type of love. And when you tell the world, again, think about what's happening. You're going to the world and saying, Hey guys, Jesus loves you. And they're looking for the filial love When in fact there's a much more higher, much more complete, much more satisfying love in Jesus Christ. It's an agape, whatever that means, we'll find out soon, type love. We need to be able to transmit to the world that this love is way higher, but more importantly, it's not abstract. It's not something that you have to meditate for it's not something that you have to work your way towards religion to earn you don't have to be super good to earn it it's been earned for you and it's just a different type of love that's just way more complete and concrete part of the motivator for this question was one time i was reading paul in the book of philippians and he says i count all his loss next to the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus And it sounds awesome, but I sat there scratching my head like, how is he willing to throw everything away, all of his accomplishments, any ties that he has with other people, to say Jesus is the most important thing to him, the most important uh, entity, the relationship that he has with Jesus is so foremost that he says everything else is rubbish, garbage. That's the extreme difference that there is between what Jesus gives you and what others can give you. It's just a higher love. And that got me thinking, well, what what is this love? This sounds very personal. This is a personal love. When you think about love in other religions, it sounds again very personal very meditative, very spiritual. Like, can I access that relationship? Can I meditate enough? Can I work hard enough to earn that one-to-one relationship? Paul is saying, that relationship I already have and it's better than anything else. So... We want to show the world that they should also discount everything else. They should count everything else as lost when they discover what's available in Jesus. That close love relationship. More importantly to us as believers, for those of us that are believers, if we discover that close relationship that's available it's tangible and concrete it'll deepen our faith our trust our walk our desires will change it'll change our life it'll continue to progress into a deeper and further relationship with Jesus Christ with God so we want to answer a couple of questions to the world why should people want a relationship with Jesus this is something that we need to talk and explain to the world now why is this the culture that we're speaking to is different than the culture that uh, maybe 20 years ago 30 years ago we had they've already heard jesus died for you but they don't get it they that this it sounds like words with no meaning to them we're in a postmodern world where everything is relative and everything is not absolute so you're just saying things that don't have a tangible meaning we want to bring the concreteness to that to answer that question Another question that ties into it is, why should Jesus be the greatest love of our lives? Why should Jesus surpass any other love that we have? It sounds like madness to the world, but we know as believers that it is worth it. Jesus gives you a love that's incomparable immeasurable, and all satisfying. It is a love that changes the very fibers of who we are, the spiritual DNA of who we are. In this series we will look at three aspects. One, the love of Jesus Christ is personal, specific, by name. He calls us by name. So first we'll see that it's personal and specific. That's what we're talking about today. Next week, we'll hear about how the love of Jesus transforms us. He gives us this love that has a special name, agape, and then he calls us to agape others. Weird word, I know, we'll get to it. <laughs> and finally, the third week, what we'll see is that the love of Christ is inseparable. Once you're in it, you're in the family. You tried to get out, but He pulls you back in. I have a young crowd, not many people know that. Godfather 3, yes? <laughs> anyway, Godfather 3 is the crappy Godfather, don't watch it. It's one and two that are good. Um, Amen. Um, So we want to make sure that those three things are settled deeply into our hearts so that we can also go to others and motivate them to want to seek that relationship that changes everything. The world looks at these words again and all they see is, well, if I... If I could even access a relationship with God, it means I either have to earn it or be super spiritual. But Jesus changes everything. He flips the script and He says, I've earned it for you. The relationship that you have with Me and the Father and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He changes that. Here's the first key thing that we need to tell the world. No one knows Me, and that's all of you, no one knows Me the way Jesus knows Me. No one knows me the way Jesus knows me. Not even my mama. She doesn't know me the way Jesus knows me. In Psalm 139, the first couple of verses, Psalm 139 is beautiful, but in Psalm 139, we see how the psalmist is just in awe of how well God knows the psalmist. It's There's no running around it. You can't escape how well God knows you. In fact, he even says that later on in the psalm. I'm trying to escape. God, you know me so well. You know the little corners I don't want to reveal to people. You know the dark alleys in my life. Let's read Psalm 139, verses 1-6. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. In the bone, in the marrow, every little corner of you, God knows you. He knows before you act. That's how well He knows your heart. That's an all-knowing God. He knows you so well. And i got to tell you, there's a part of me that when I think about this, I, I can feel the sinful part of me saying, well, I don't want a relationship with that. Now here's why. We've been taught in a sense, unfortunately, by society, by the, the culture that we live in, that the people that love us, love us based on our performances. And if Jesus knows, if God looks in and He sees all the really bad stuff, then all the praise that we get from people is kind of useless, right? We, we've learned to be loved based on what we do and who we are. We've learned to be loved that way. So people come up to us and they praise us. And they say, oh, you, you're such a good this, you're such a good that. But inside we're like, well, you, you, you don't know this part about me, man. And I'm never going to let you know. I'm never going to let you know that part. God knows that. So it's almost like we want to keep that type of relationship away. On all exposed me in relationship with someone. I mean, he's just seeing the filth that I am. That's That's not a great relationship. But that is what's different about the love of Jesus. Agape love, the Greek word that the the apostle John uses in his gospel is a love that doesn't depend on your merit. It is a faithful love. In fact, John in one of his letters describes this agape love as the fact that God is that love. It is a love that is based on who God is. God is love, says John. He must love because He is love. Love emanates naturally by definition of who God is. And He loves you faithfully regardless. He knows you, he's searched you, he's seen all the little secrets, and he loves you nonetheless. He loves you to the point where he sent his son to die for you because he knows that. His love is not based on your achievements. His love is not based on how well you perform or how good you are. His love looks at all that and says, I want to see Jesus in you, that's all I care. I want to see the work and the perfection of Jesus in you. That's how much I love you. I want to adopt you. I want to clean you up. I want to make you white as snow. That's agape love. Love that is faithful, that's benevolent. It is a goodwill love. It is a love by definition of God. So our perception of relationship changes in that moment because no longer am I going to Earn likability. He likes me. He loves me. Haven't you noticed that when you meet people, you kind of wear a mask. You kind of, you know, try to bring the best part out of you. You don't bring out the little stubborn things that you do that annoy people, that annoy your best friends. When you're meeting someone and you're trying to impress them, you're 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 at your best. You're being very kind. You're opening doors. You're trying to be the best foot front that you could. You're trying to put that best foot front. And we don't have to do that. Jesus saw it all. He knows it. And He doesn't care. Agape love. Despite us. He loves us. Oh how He loves us. He knows us. And yet He loves us. That's why Romans 5. Brings this word. Love. Agape. In this case it is that Greek word. Love. Agape. It brings it into light in that sense. It explains it's not because of you. He loves you despite. We read Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, and that's good up here, like this, you know? Good person. One would even dare even to die. But God shows His agape, His faithful love. He shows His faithful love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us despite what He saw. And in fact, He died because of what He saw so that He could see Jesus in us. It's an ontological, that's a weird word, but it's a definitional love. He loves. He is love. That's who He is. That's... God. Love is, we don't define God by love. Love is defined by God. Is. Nothing is before God. God is eternal. He is the very definition of love. We warp the definition of love, but He is the very definition of love. Now, when we speak to the world and we read them this, they might still say, well, it says Christ died for us. Like, I get it. If I'm, if I'm a world person, here's what I say. Well, you know, I love you all, but I don't know you guys. I mean, I love you. I can say I love you, and in principle I'll say that I'll love you in my actions and in, and in concept. But that doesn't mean I know you. And see, when they think about Christ dying for us, that's how they see it. They don't understand that Christ is that much more powerful, and He can love us Personally. When Jesus, when when Paul here says that Christ died for us, he's not saying Christ died for us here, this group. He's saying Christ died for us, every single one, every single one by name. They need to hear that. Jesus calls them by name and says, I died for you. We say us in plural because Jesus has died for every individual. We go from the micro to the macro in that sense. Jesus died for every single one of you. And this is biblical. We're going to find right now. This isn't just a, a, a wishful thinking type of relationship. He loves us each individually and faithfully with that agape love. Again, here we see that that word love is that weird Greek word agape. And there's different definitions for it, but here are some of the definitions. Affection, benevolence, charity, uh, to welcome, to love dearly. Those are pre-biblical definitions. When Paul and John used this agape word, they mean much more. They mean the nature of God is love. They mean He loves us faithfully regardless of what we do. Jesus has a personal and ultimate love for each and every one of us. He loves me and gave Himself for me. I want us to start switching the us to me. We need to tell the world that it's specific. They need to understand that they're loved by name. It's not some isolated cosmic spiritual God. This is a very powerful cosmic God, but He's a very personal, I meet you and I knock at the door of your heart God. He knocks at the door of your heart and seeks you out and calls you by name. It's a personal love. He loves me and gave Himself for me. I'm quoting Paul. In Galatians 2, chapter 20, one of my all-time favorite verses, if you guys know me, you hear me say it all the time. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who agaped me, who loved me. And gave himself for me. That word that loved me right there is a derivation in Greek of the agape. So it's the same type of love. He loved me faithfully and gave himself for me. That's the ultimate measure of love. That's the ultimate agape love. He gave himself for me. Paul is speaking to a church, and for some reason he went to singular, to personal up He's telling this so that they say it to themselves. He's teaching doctrine here. He's teaching them what their faith should believe. And He's telling them, look, you have to say this to yourself. He loved me and He gave Himself for me. That's why He died for us because He loved me, each of us, and He gave Himself for me. It's a personal love. Not only... Faithful, but also all acting and goes and does what no one else would do die for unrighteous and suffer as if he were unrighteous. In John chapter 10, we see how personal again Jesus wants to tell us he is. Now I'm going straight to the mouth of Jesus, okay? We're going to the gospel and hear what Jesus says in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus says, the sheep hear His voice and He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls them by name. This is a personal Jesus. One to one. He meets me face to face. Jesus loves me and knows me as the Father lo- loves and knows me. Jesus loves and knows me as the Father loves and knows me. We're going to look at some passages that show us that yes, from the mouth of Jesus, this is true. Jesus loves and knows me as the Father loves and knows Him. That's mind-boggling. Again, if you're thinking as the world thinks religiously, they would never dare to think this. They would think I have to earn that or be super spiritual to get to that point where He loves me As if I were Jesus? That's insane. And knows me that way. That's, again, hard to believe, but that's why I love that I can read Jesus Himself saying this. John chapter 10 is a chapter that I encourage you to spend time on. We're going to look at three verses, uh, four verses, excuse me, in John chapter 10. That's where we're going next. We're going to hear it straight from Jesus. How... He loves and knows me as the Father loves and knows him, Jesus. John chapter 10. The first verse I want us to look at is verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, that ultimate sacrifice, the agape sacrifice, that is faithful and dies so that he can see Jesus in us. A little later on in verse 14, in the same chapter, verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me seems like Jesus is really intent in emphasizing this. This is a very personal Jesus. I know my own, and my own know me. And a verse after that, in verse 15, he says, Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father... And I lay down my life for the sheep. Notice verse 14 and 15 are connected. You have to read them together. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I mean, that's the personal relationship that we have with Jesus. The one that He has with the Father. The one that He has with the Father. The one that the Father looks at Jesus and says, You are my beloved in who I am well pleased. That's how Jesus sees us. That's how He relates to us. That's the personal relationship He has with us. This, This should be pulling you to say, Oh man, Jesus, I want to get to know you even more and more. Because you love me in a way that no one else could love me. People can love me filio, but they can't love me agape. Again, weird Greek words, but there's an ocean of separation between the type of love that you can get from a person and the type of love that you can get from Jesus. It is that personal. In verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Again, he's intent on repeating this. This is a personal Jesus. This is not isolated. This is a love like no other. And it's concrete. It's tangible. He knows us by name. He calls us by name. In John chapter 15, we get the other side. First we said Jesus loves and knows us as the Father loves and knows Him. So we just read Jesus saying, just as the Father knows me. Let's see Jesus saying that now the love the Father has for Him is the same as the love that He has for us. Which again, is just wow. No spirituality required for you to obtain a Jesus-like love from God. No Spirituality, no works, no religious earning to get that. It is a definitional love. God is love. In John chapter 15, verses 9 and 13, we'll see this. In verse 9 of John chapter 15, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I, that's Jesus speaking, have loved you. As the Father has loved me, excuse me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Greater love has no one than this, in verse 13, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Again, Jesus is separating the ocean of love between what he can provide and the world provides. There's no greater love. Jesus is saying, my love, my agape love, is greater than any other love that anyone else can provide you. I am the ultimate love. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. He calls me friend. He calls me friend. That's the, the love, the knowing, loving relationship that I have with Jesus. It gets better though. I mean, Jesus doesn't only love us this way. In fact, His love made Him go into prayer for you before His crucifixion. He prayed for you before His crucifixion. I'm not talking about the apostles. He also prayed for the apostles. But He prayed for those who would come to believe later on. That's all of us right here. Jesus prayed for you. He had you in mind. It might not be easy for you to grasp how you could pray for everyone specifically by name, but Jesus can. And He did. We see this in John 17. Before the crucifixion, Jesus prayed for me. In John chapter 17, verse 20, He says, I do not ask for these only, referring to the apostles, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word. That's us. That's us. But also for those who will believe in Me through their word. Jesus prayed for you. He died for you. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. He relates to you personally. He searches and knows your heart like no one else. And He loves you like no one else, paying the ultimate price. Woo! This is the best relationship ever. This is, this is what is it, BAE? How do you spell that? B-A-E or whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so Whatever that acronym is. <laughs> Sorry, my wife is embarrassed right now because I tried to say that. <laughs> He's the ultimate. He's the ultimate love. The ultimate love. Jesus is knocking at your door. He's calling you by name. He's searching you out. He died for you. He prayed for you. He weeps for you like He wept for Lazarus. He doesn't like death. He doesn't like sickness. He came so that all that eventually is put away. Death has been defeated. Again, this is a loving, personal Jesus. Jesus is knocking at your door. And that's something we have to tell to to the people that don't know Jesus. Jesus is knocking at your door. And He's been knocking for a long time. He hasn't given up yet. Are you going to open the door to that relationship, that agape love? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, One of my favorite verses. Behold. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Notice how he went to singular. He wants to have that fellowship with each of us. This is a personal Jesus. Don't let that leave your heart today may it be with you every single day as you think about how he is personal when i drive to work sometimes i pray while driving to work as if he's sitting next to me he is he is and i don't try to throw magical fancy words up in the air i i just relate to him the way he relates to me and it's because of what he did that I can relate to him that way. He is a personal God. There's instances which we're not going to read on the screen where Jesus goes to people and calls them out by name in the gospel. You can find these. First of all, he uh, speaks to someone called Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, excuse me. Zacchaeus was someone that was trying to get a glimpse of Jesus in the middle of the crowd. And Zacchaeus was short. He wasn't tall. So he had to get up on a tree and he's like, will Jesus notice me? Will this all-loving Jesus notice me? And he does. He calls him by name. Zacchaeus. Personal. By name. I know my sheep by name, says Jesus. There's a Samaritan woman that Jesus talks to. And notice, he knocks on the door when he talks to the Samaritan woman in the Gospel he walks up to this well and he starts the conversation with her. She probably wasn't even interested. In fact, she wouldn't dare talk to him because she was Samaritan. Long story about that. (laughs) not going to get into that, but the whole point was she wasn't going to start the conversation with Jesus. She was not. Jesus went and knocked and spoke with her and met her and here's the beauty of it, he saw who she really was. She tried to say, yeah, my husband, this and that. And he said, actually, you don't have a husband. You're with someone, but he's, you're not married to him. He saw the sin, and he still went for the heart. He went for the personal. That's Jesus. That's what He does. That's agape love. That's personal, beyond circumstances and beyond your actions, love. He does this all the time in the Gospels. Again, Lazarus, when he goes, he knows he's going to bring Lazarus up from the dead. And yet he weeps. First it says he was deeply moved and troubled. He sees the people crying around him. He hears the people saying, had you been here earlier? He did that on purpose because he wanted the glory of God to be revealed. He got there after Lazarus passed. He did it because he knew the surpassing worth of the glory of God that needed to be revealed through his work, but he still wept. Jesus doesn't like death. He doesn't like our suffering, though sometimes we have to go through it. But he weeps. He knew, and, and what I love about that story is that the people around says, wow, how he loved Lazarus. How he loved all of us, individually. That's the point. When you read the Gospels, you're going to see a Jesus that's always personal, one-to-one, face-to-face. Again, religion tries the opposite. It says, just try to earn this inaccessible God because you're imperfect. And Jesus says, agape love to you. I love you because I am love and because I see past all the things you've done. And I want the Father to see Jesus I want Him to see myself in you. That's what Jesus says to us. That's the ultimate agape love. It's an encounter. It's a concrete relationship. You know that you can tell this to a person and they might doubt. You can tell them something the Bible says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. People need to taste and see this relationship. It is an ultimate relationship. And I pray that as a church... We go to the world ready to show them through our own lives, through our changed and passionate lives, that Jesus is a personal, relational God. Jesus is someone who dies for us. He searches us out. He calls us by name. And He knocks on the door of our heart. I pray that we marinate that in our hearts as we continue through this series. I'm going to say a word of prayer as the ushers come forth for the tithe and offering and as the band comes up. Let us pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank You for sending Your your Son to die for the ungodly, for the unrighteous, so that You would make us righteous. Thank You because You are a personal, loving God. Thank You because Jesus loves us personally by name. Thank You for the love, the agape love of Jesus, Lord. I pray that You would... Reveal that love that we would taste and see that the Lord is good that He loves us and knows us by His name He meets us where we are in the midst of our circumstances and says yes I see all the stuff that you have I see all the circumstances that are in the way but I'm here because of that and I love you regardless may Jesus and His love His personal love move us into action I pray for the tithes and offerings that they may be multiplied, Lord. We bring what we have, what we can, but that You multiply it, Lord. And that You also fill us into generous hearts that want to bless the city of Redlands and beyond around us. Take the offerings, bless them, and multiply them. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.